As what Pastor Insung said, uh, we're going back to our study in the book of Genesis. No? Book of Exodus. So for the past two Sundays, we have learned, last Sunday we've learned about the main thing. What's the main thing? I remember one of the greatest, uh, one of the great leaders, uh, Francis Chan, he said that the failure or the fear of failure is not as great as when we fail to do the right thing. Many people feel that they are successful in life, but the moment we forget to do the right thing, then we are still a failure. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Many people are focusing on the minor things, but what is important is the major things. So we're going back to the, in our series in the book of Exodus, and let me show you the big picture. When we started studying the book of Exodus, we have shown you this chart. This chart shows us the journey of a Christian person. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the first thing that God will do is for you to pull you out of darkness and transfer you into his kingdom. That is the release from bondage. Many people, including us, including me, we were once in darkness. But when God saved us, he transferred us from the dominion of darkness into his kingdom. And when the children of Israel crossed or when they experienced the ten plagues, of, that, was, that was the time when God really started the deliverance of his people from slavery. And after that, we're going to continue our study on the sanctification process. God did not save us, not just he wants us to go to heaven, but the very Christ-like. And that Christ-likeness, the process of Christ-likeness, is actually the process of sanctification. The sanctification process is the work of the Holy Spirit. And as we are being delivered from, from the slavery that we were into, God is going to lead us into that sanctification process in which we are going to study next Sunday. But for this morning, let me just go back a little bit and I wanted to show you this short film clip about a movie that was uh, uh, starred by Charleston Henson. Do you know him? Because I was not yet born when this movie was made. Okay. The God of Moses is a poor general to leave him no retreat. Fear not! Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord! blast of his nostrils. He opens the waters before them, and he bars our way with fire. Let us go from this place. Men cannot fight against a god. Better to die in battle with a god than live in shame. Praise God and down into it!
didst blow with thy winds, and the sea covered them. Who is like unto thee, O Lord? From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God? Do you think this actually happened? Are you sure? Or is this just a myth? I was going through the internet the other day, and there are a lot of arguments about this. Many people are saying this did not actually happen, and it's just a myth. But I tell you, friends, this actually happened and it showed the power of God when he parted the Red Sea and the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea on dry land imagine if you were there how many of you have seen a sea or an ocean the ocean or the sea it's wet right there's water and who would dare cross the Red Sea not all of us know how to swim. But this, in this particular case, the power of God parted the Red Sea. And what happened? The children of Israel crossed on dry land. And when the Egyptians were trying to catch after them, they were riding on their horses. What happened? God jumped the wheels of their chariots. And the waters returned and it drowned all of the Egyptian armies. Isn't God good? Isn't God great? That he protects his people? He protects his people. You know that miracle, when that happened, is still happening now. It might not be a Red Sea that is opening in front of your eyes, but it might be life that is being changed, a, change, a life that is already wasted, a life that has no hope. But God can part the Red Sea and change your life. That is the greatest miracle. The miracle of a changed life. Amen? So in Exodus chapter 15, Verse 1, then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its riders he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God and I will extol him. You know, when you experience some good things in life, the propensity is for you to rejoice, right? We just had this Christmas, and I'm sure many of you have received a lot of gifts. Some of you got your wishes, and when you got those gifts, what happened? You were happy. You enjoyed it. Why? Because what you got what you want. Some of us got something that, oh, it's not going to happen. But somebody gave it to you. And you were very happy. And because you're happy, some of you just sang. Oh, this is a good day. So when the children of Israel experienced crossing the Red Sea, Moses, Miriam, and the people of Israel, they all sang. They worship God because what? They have a story to tell. They sang, for the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Everybody, for the Lord is good. For the Lord is good, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. However, if you don't have a story to tell, you cannot sing. 
If you have not experienced the power of God in your life, you just cannot sing. And many Christians, when they got born again, they sing for the Lord is good. After several months, they're no longer experiencing the power of God. Then, they can't even sing. When they wake up in the morning, what do they do? Visit Naruto. Right? No problem. I'm going to see my boss again. It's going to be a hard day again. I experienced that too. I wake up at 0200 hours every day because I have to be in the office at 4 in the morning. I will tell my wife, oh, I like to sleep. Difficult to wake up. But when you remember the goodness of the Lord, even if you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, you can still say, For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. Otherwise, you will curse your day. Just like the people of Israel when they crossed the Red Sea, they sang before the Lord because they had a story to tell. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. You know, in the olden days, and in fact, in some churches when they worship God, they dance before the Lord. David, he removed his robe. He danced in the street, worshiping God, praising God, because he had a story to tell. When you have a story to tell, you don't mind raising your hands when you worship the Lord. You don't mind singing at the top of your voice because God has been good to you. And the people of Israel experienced that because they saw with their two eyes the goodness of the Lord. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. I remember when DJ and myself, we were on our way to California City. We figured into an accident and car was, our car was stuck in the middle of the desert. Triple A cannot find us. We were there for four, five hours under the heat of the sun without water. That was an awful experience. Have you experienced that in your life? Have you experienced that in your life? You're so thirsty, you wanted to drink something, and you just can't find water. And the people of Israel were in the wilderness for three days without H2O. They cannot drink. They cannot what, take a bath. Just imagine, especially us, some of you takes about three times a day. That's why we are in water crisis, right? <laughs> so the people of Israel were under the scorching heat of the sun. There was no water to drink. Moses led them for three days they were in the wilderness. This morning I have coined my message. You can rest because I've got your back. You can rest because I've got your back. When you go to the wilderness, what's the propensity? We sometimes, what? Complain, we wanted to give up. That's natural, right? Or it's just me? We are merry. You know what's merry? Merry clamor. We are always merry, merry clamor. We always complain. Matthew 6, 31 says, what? 
do not worry. Saying, what will we eat? Oh, this happens a lot. When my wife goes to work, before she leaves, I ask, anong kakainin namin? Okay? Or what we will drink? Or what we will wear for clothing? Oh, this is the sickness of most women. Right? You face your closet, you look at your pile of clothes, wala akong maisuot, what will I wear? Okay? Do not worry. For the Gentiles, the non-Christians, eagerly seek all these things I have highlighted for your heavenly Father knows the things that you need. If our earthly father are so concerned about what's going on in our lives, how much more our heavenly father? How much more our heavenly father? Don't you know that God knows that your hair is already vanishing? He knows the number of your hairs before and after and tomorrow. Don't you know that your heavenly father knows the exact amount of coins you have in your wallet? Don't you know that your heavenly father knows the exact reading of your blood pressure as of this time? Or the reading of your sugar level? Your heavenly father knows that. If our earthly father are concerned about us, how much more our heavenly father? And he further said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. What do you mean by all? Some of your problems, the big ones only? It says all. What does all mean? All. Who have problems in life? Ako lang? If we seek first the kingdom of God, God will make sure that he will meet your need. Amen? Amen. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to the inheritance of your dad. What does it say? He will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And who is saying that? The God who owns this earth. The God who owns the universe. The God who owns the galaxies. The God who owns everything. According to his riches in Glory. His glory has infinite richness. God created us. And if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, the Bible says, he will meet all our needs. Exodus 15, 22, let's move on. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. Marah in Hebrew means bitter. I remember when I was taking my MS-43 or 44, we were in the jungles of Dingle in the Philippines. We were... We were having this makwar. So we have no, our canteen, that used to be the container of water before, now they call it uh, camel, camelback, right? During our times, during our days, we used the canteen. We ran out of water. We saw a river. Wow! We can get water. And when we were about to put water in our canteen, we saw several children on the side. 
So the children of Israel found water in Marah. And unfortunately, they cannot drink. Why? Because the Bible says that the water was bitter, not better. I remember when we were kids, I put salt in the water of my brother. So when he was about to drink that water, that water was so salty. Okay, so instead of drinking it, he just spew it out of his mouth. Okay? So the children of Israel were there. They wanted to drink. They were so hungry. For three days, they had no water. And they were about to drink. Probably they were saying, oh, praise God, there's water. And when they drank, it's bitter. If you were on their shoes, what will you do? What will you do? You will reclaim again. You will reclamo. You will grumble. You will marry. Marry clamo? Why? Because the water was bitter. Look at the child. He was so thirsty. He enjoyed the water. Now as a commercial, if you're really thirsty, go to 7-Eleven, buy a can of Coke, a, a can of Sprite. It will quench your thirst. Amen? Obey your thirst. Plug in lang yan. Okay, so what happened? So the people grumbled at Moses saying, What shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord. Imagine if you were Moses. You're the leader of two million people. Let's just assume 50% of them are complaining. One million are complaining, Moses, we don't have water. And then you hear the sounds of meh. Why? They were in the wilderness. They have, they have their, their ships with them. Everybody's not complaining. If you were Moses, what will you do? Probably if you're Japanese, you will already do harakiri, right? But what, the Bible, what did the Bible say? In the midst of that pressure, Moses said, the Bible says that he cried out to the Lord. Don't you know that when you are stressed, when you have pressures in life, the best way for you to do is cry unto the Lord? Because when you cry unto the Lord, God will surely hear you. And in fact, He already knows what your problems are even before you cry to the Lord. So it says, Then He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statue and regulations, and there he tested them. When life is bitter, all you need is a touch from the tree, the touch from the cross. And God is going to turn your bitter situation into a better life. What is that better life? Better life full of adventures. A journey where you will see the hand and the goodness of the Lord. There will be problems along the way. But when you see the hand of the Lord, that makes life even more better. Amen? Okay, how many of you wants to be tested? Every time when I was in school, every time the teacher will announce that there's going to be a test, I always get sick. Right? Or sometimes I will pray to God, Lord, I pray that there will be a strong storm that will come so that classes will be lifted. Or it's just me. Ako lang ata yun eh. Right? When there's testing, what do we do? We try to escape from the process of undergoing testing in life. However, what happened? 
God even more tested them. God even more tested them. What's the difference between a test and a temptation? Okay, what is a test? God tests or he examines our hearts to expose our faith. And in contrast, Satan lies and deceives or tempts us to believe in his lies. Example, uh, in the Garden of Eden, what happened in the Garden of Eden? God instructed Adam and Eve that they can eat everything in the garden except the tree that looks so beautiful, the tree that many people of us know as an apple. I think it's mango, but the Bible is silent what kind of fruit that is. He said, don't touch it. Don't eat it because the moment you touch or eat, the moment you eat that, not touch, you will surely die. That was the test. God brought them in a scenario where God is testing their hearts whether they will obey or not. Now, Pastor Reg, didn't, isn't it that God already knows what's going to happen? Yes, the very reason why God is putting them to test so that Adam and Eve will know that they cannot survive apart from God. The test. The objective of the test is what? To bring out what's in our heart. Yes, God knows what's in our heart, but we do not know most of the time what's in our heart unless it is exposed. That was the test. And then all of a sudden, there is this cunning snake. And what did that snake say? Did not God tell you? That's the temptation. The test, they were in that situation. The temptation, the devil was trying to twist and put a lot of lies to Adam and Eve about what God has said. God does not tempt us, but God tests us again in order to bring out what's in our heart and for us to acknowledge that apart from God, apart from the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a failure. Jesus was tempted. He was tempted. The devil was trying to twist the word of God. So I hope it is clear the difference between test and temptation. In 1 Peter 1 and 6, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, various tests, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable. Many people, they want gold. I want gold. But faith, the results of successful test, is more precious than gold. Even though we are tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So whenever we go through tests, it should always and it will always result in the glory of God. What's going to be our what's going to be our attitude when we go through trials or testing in life? I like this verse in the book of Habakkuk. Again, for those of you, may I remind you that this is the first commercial that we have in the Bible. Have a Coke. Okay? Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17. It says, Though the fig tree does not bud, 
and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails, and the field produced no food, and though there are no sheep in the open, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Even if we're surrounded by cliffs and as we walk through it, we can still sing and rejoice in the Lord. Even if you're going to trials, you can still sing, For the Lord is good. <coughs> Instead of singing, Ang kawawang cowboy. Right? Right? Even when you're in the storm. I remember this Sunday school song. With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. With With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm. I will not grumble. I will not complain. Because what? Jesus is in the vessel. Jesus is with me. James 1, 2, and 3, consider it all joy. My brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. First Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God, everybody, who will not allow you to be tempted. But with the temptation, will provide the way of so that you will be able to endure it. The devil will tempt us, but God will not allow the devil to tempt us more than what we can bear. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says that God is faithful, that he will provide an exit, an escape, a way out. Even if we are suffering because of the consequences of our wrong choices, the grace of God will always be there to carry us. And at the end, we can still say, praise God. Because the trials that we went through made our faith strong. Amen? Are you still awake? Okay, look at the person next to you and say, wake up! God. Now, when the children of Israel were wandering or they journey in the wilderness... This is one of the things that I learned from God. God will ensure we reach our destiny, but in accordance to his plan and not ours. Christ-likeness 
God is going to work in our lives for us to become Christ-like. But for us to achieve that, He will work in accordance to His will, to His will and purpose in our lives, not what we wanted to happen. Let's move on, Exodus 15, 26. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, everybody... Okay. God introduced himself as Jehovah Rapha. What is Jehovah Rapha? God is my healer. Pastor Reg, look what happened to Boogie. He got sick and the doctor healed him. The medicines healed him. The wife healed Boogie. You know, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, it does not change the fact that God is the Jehovah Rapha. God can heal you through the doctor. What happens if you go to the hospital and then you're there lying in the operating table and the doctor said, okay, let's Google what's going, what's going to happen next. But you know what? God can use the doctor. God can even use the medicine so that to get our healing. This morning before, you know, we were preparing, I got the, what do you call that to get the blood pressure? <laughs> Whatever it is, okay? I got my blood pressure and then my wife said, are you okay? Actually, no. I was lightheaded and I was driving. It seems that it was unstable, in short. But I claim on the promises of God. God, Lord, I'm going to preach today. You're my Jehovah Rapha. You're my healer. Are you sick this morning? What's the name of your sickness? Is it called cancer? What's the name of your sickness? Is it called heart disease? God is able to heal you. That's just a name. That's just a name. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and confess that he is Lord. And as we confess that he is Lord, we are confessing that Jehovah Rapha. That Jehovah Rapha is the God that heals you. Healing happens in many ways. Some happen instantly. Some happen for a period of time. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. What did he do yesterday? He healed the blind man, right? What did he do yesterday? He healed the crippled. He is the same yesterday. Today he can still do it. Tomorrow he can still do it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you don't get your healing, it doesn't mean that God does not heal. God has a purpose. He is sovereign God. He knows what he is doing. Amen? Then they set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. Actual Sin there is just the short of Sinai. Okay? On the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. That's about 45 days. So they went through the wilderness. They experienced Mara. What is Mara? Bitter water. And now they experience Elim. What is that? 
Elim means huge trees. Okay, in Elim, the Bible says, okay, we'll go to that later. Now the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to quill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven, for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. From, so from, from, what was that? From Mara, they went to Elim. Elim is a place where there are, the Bible says there are 12 springs of water. Okay, it's a place parang, probably it's, it's Disneyland in, the, in those times. So they were there, they were enjoying. And again, the Lord tested them. They said, Moses, did you bring us here to get hungry? Moses, did you bring us here in the wilderness to die? Where is that promise? So the Bible says that God again tested them. God brought them to a place where their faith will be tested again. And God said, I will rain bread from heaven. Moses said, this will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to the full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumbled against him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. So Moses said that God is going to rain bread in the morning and God is going to send meat in the evening. Okay, and Moses was telling the people of Israel, when you grumble, when you reclaim, you don't grumble against the leaders. They don't grumble against Moses, but they were grumbling against God. Therefore, or ergo, grumbling is what? A sin against the Lord. And you know that every time we grumble, every time we complain, we are not complaining about our spouses. We are not complaining about our children. We are not complaining about our parents. We are not complaining about somebody on authority. We are actually complaining against the Lord. It's up to you. That's what the Bible says. So they were complaining against the Lord. What is grumbling? Pastor Peter said, grumbling is focusing on God's goodness to others and ignoring God's goodness to ourselves. Oftentimes, the reason why we start to grumble is because instead of us focusing on the goodness of God on ourselves, we focus what's happening on the other person. And when that other person's life is a little bit better than us, we grumble. Stephen Fortick said that the death of contentment is comparison. The moment we start comparing ourselves with others and we fall short of our expectation, grumbling starts. According to the first century Roman proverb, money is like seawater. The more that man drinks, the thirstier he becomes. Charles Spurgeon said, as long as a man is alive and out of hell, you have, he cannot have any cause to complain. As long as we are here on earth and you're not in hell, Charles Spurgeon said, you don't have the key to complain. Why? Because God is still moving. So when the children of Israel were complaining and they were saying that they are going to die of hunger in the wilderness. God said, I will send manna. Okay, and I will send the quail in the evening. 
I will close with this because, because of time constraints. When I was meditating on this light last night, it reminded me of a message from one of the Indonesian pastor I heard. He talked about the reason why God created night and day. And when you read Exodus chapter 16, the instruction of God is that he will rain manna in the morning and the people will get an omer. What's an omer? It's a container. And they will go out, gather the manna, good for their family, good for themselves for one day. Okay. I asked this question, Lord, magbibigay ka na rin lang. Bakit mo pa pinagtrabaho sila? Lord, you're going to bless them anyway. Why do you have to require them to go out and work? Since it's already a miracle, Lord, why don't you just put a miracle that when they wake up in the morning, their omer will be full of manna? Have you thought about that? I was seriously thinking about that last night when I was reminded with this preaching of that Indonesian pastor. For those of you who loves plants, sino mahilig dito sa tanim? Who wants to plant? Or sino sa inyo nakakita ng tanim? Who of you have seen a plant? <laughs> or who of you will not raise their hands no matter what? Okay. Science has proven that the seeds starts to sprout in the evening. I remember now when I was in grade school, we have this experiment where we put the mongo seeds on a wet towelette. We leave it there and every day, ay, wala. And all of a sudden, when we came back to school the following day, oops, may lumabas na ng konti. Remember that? That proves that the seed or the plant starts to grow in the evening. This is God what is telling us right now. God wants you to work in daytime. And when you work in the day, God is going to bless the work of your hand in the evening while we are sleeping. While you are resting in God's goodness and provision, God is going to bless us. While the people of Israel were still sleeping, the manna from heaven drops to the ground. And that's their provision for the day. Let me just share with you a few more verses. So verse 14, when the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness, there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. Para sigurong snow, no? Who of you have seen a snow? I have not seen a snow. So, when the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one, to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. They were in the wilderness. God provided for them bread. Is God leading you in the wilderness? Are you in the wilderness right now? God is going to provide you the manna. That's why they called it manna. 
Okay, because they were saying, what is that? It was like a coriander seed, white, and its taste was like wafers with honey. Wow, ang sarap siguro no, no? This is what the Lord has commanded. I mentioned earlier, gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer, a piece according to the number of his persons as you has in his tent. Moses said to them, let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses and some left part of it until morning and it bred worms and became foul and Moses was angry with them. So the instruction was for them to gather for the day's consumption. And what did they do? The Bible says probably they have some Filipino DNA. Right? They hoard. Ano, bale? Tomorrow there might be no mana. Some of us, when we trust God, we only trust Him for a day. And then the following day, ah, probably God will not show up. Ah, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Ah, uh, tomorrow might be, you know, better hoard something. Ah, uh, I will not give my offering because I will just put this in the bank because, you know, my kids need this one. Ah, uh, tithes, uh, I'll just keep it in the bank, you know. I need it for the future of my family, for my retirement. You know, folks, because God lives. I can face tomorrow. There's a song. Because he lives tomorrow. All fear is gone. I know God holds the future. Because he lives. That's why Jesus prayed and give us this day our daily bread. God can give them the manna for one week. For one month. For the year. But God wants us to trust him every day single day. So when they gathered it in the morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Now on the sixth day, when they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is Sabbath observance a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered and it did not become foul or was there any worm in it. So the instruction was they are not to hoard on a daily basis. But on the sixth day, they have to gather twice as much. Why? Because the following day is Sabbath. And according to their ordinance, they are not to work on Sabbath day. They set aside Sabbath day as holy unto the Lord. Okay? So when they did that, the, the, the food that they gathered on the sixth day, the following day, it was, it was still good. You know what? Uh, when I was in China, I was staying in this hotel. On, sun, on, on Saturday, which is actually the Jewish Sabbath, those were the days when China opened their doors to other countries, to, to a lot of tourists. And there were, you know, this particular hotel, 
there are a lot of Jewish people who are staying in that hotel. And I noticed that every floor, the elevator stops. Automatic. I learned because they did that for the Jewish people. You know, on Sabbath day, they cannot even press the button of the elevator that is considered work for them. So if the hotel has 27 story and you are staying on the 27th floor, you will go down to the ground floor. Just imagine it will stop 27 times. Right? Okay, because what? For them, they should not work on. But look at the people of Israel. Who are the most progressive? Sino mayayaman dito? Why? Some of us are working eight days a week. The book of Haggai said, it's just like putting money in our pockets with holes in it. This is, this is a challenge I am giving you. Sabbath is not just Sunday, by the way. Set aside a day. You know, reality, especially the medical people, some of you work on a Sunday, right? Alangan naman na may mamamatay na, I cannot touch that patient because it's Sabbath day. Okay? No. Set aside a day where you can consecrate it and worship God. Hindi sa beach. Kasi ngayon, the modern Sabbath is what? In the beach. Set aside for the Lord and you will see that God is going to bless you. Amen? So what did we learn this morning? It's okay to rest because God said, I have your back. Are you going through certain things in life this morning? I do not know where you are. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says that I will lead you into the promised land. But always remember, it is God. God who is in control of your life. God who is in control of your destiny. And you can always rest, not worry, because God said, I have your back. And you can say, for the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, help us to be contented, Lord God. Holy Spirit, help us. Because we always have the propensity to complain, to grumble. And even question, Lord God, your sovereignty. Lord, I pray that as we journey towards Christ-likeness, you will always help us to rest in your goodness and in your provision. I pray for those of us who are sick in our bodies. Lord, I ask that you please release your healing power I ask, dear God, that you will manifest as our Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals us. For you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's nothing too difficult for you because you are a sovereign God. You're a good God. You're a mighty God. Lord, we commit our lives to you. For those of us who have problems in life, sometimes, Lord God, we don't know what to do. But Lord God, all we can is depend on you. 
depend on you every single day. We thank you, Father God, and I pray, Lord God, that even as we go through this week, may our lives become a living testimony to other people. That when they see that we have problems in life, we can still sing and say that you are good. And that people will be attracted to our lives, Lord God, because we are depending on you. Thank you, Lord God. And Lord, we even pray for this government, for this country. As President-elect Trump assumes office on the 20th of this month, Lord, I ask for wisdom to be upon him. As he faced, Lord God, all of these controversies, Lord, this nation is a divided nation. But your word says that if my people who are called by my name and humble themselves and pray and seek your face, you will heal this land. I pray, Lord God, that you will, you will unite the Christians to have that earnest desire to bring this nation back to you. That all of us, Lord God, will humble ourselves, Lord. Because you resist the proud and you give grace to the humble. Thank you, Lord God, for the grace that you are showering on this nation. We commit ourselves to you. We commit our lives to you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.